Welcome to 20 Minute Tabletop, a podcast sharing the love of all things tabletop gaming in bite-sized pieces. I'm your host, John Wickey, here today with my co-host, Stevie. This week, we have our first ever event-based episode. Today, we're talking about Megacon Orlando, a large comic convention that happens over the span of four days every year in Orlando, Florida. We could make this 20-hour tabletop and talk about everything we did and saw, but we're going to try and limit ourselves to tabletop and RPG-paced discussions. Let's talk about what Megacon Orlando is. So let's turn to the Megacon website. Megacon Orlando is one of North America's largest comics, sci-fi, horror, anime, and gaming events that attracts hundreds of thousands of people across four big days. Every year, Megacon offers exciting family-friendly attractions, events, and world-renowned celebrities. Everyone is a fan of something, and Megacon Orlando is the place to celebrate all things pop culture. Get an autograph or a photo with your favorite guest, and then get the inside scoop about their favorite movies and TV shows at celebrity panels. Watch professional comic artists battle it out in our popular sketch duels, learn from our how-to workshops, and take photos with your favorite costume characters. It's also a great place to buy unique gifts or treat for yourself. And a huge show floor for shopping madness. And Megacon is now run by Fan Expo HQ, and they run a number of cons in both the U.S. and Canada. All right, let's talk first impressions. I think it's a great con with a lot to take in. I mean, we're big con goers, and I've always wanted to go to Megacon since we moved to Florida. The first year that we lived here, we were adjusting to the move, and then COVID happened. You and TJ went last year just for one day to meet the four hobbits but this year all of us went for all four days so usually here's where we talk about ease to set up ease to start so let's talk about you know the passes and getting into the con because that's really how you set up for the con is you buy your tickets right so they offer a variety of tickets there's a single day ticket with varying prices they have a family pass for two adults and up to four kids So if you're going as a family, this is typically your best bet. But it does sell out really fast. There are four-day tickets. There are ultimate fan tickets and VIP tickets. And we'll talk about the benefits to those in a moment. So we chose to get two ultimate passes for John and myself. And we got early bird pricing on those at $150 each, which gets us into all four days of the convention. And the kids were free every day with the coupon on the Megacon website, except for Saturday. So Saturday, we just paid for one-day passes for the kids. And that coupon gets you one free child with adult purchase. So that's why that family pass offers up to four children. So that ultimate fan package, why we picked that is it's really cool. It gives you the four-day access. You get early access on Thursday. And actually, when we went in the re-entry, we actually got in early some of the other days as well to the show floor. It gives you guarantees on photo and special events for a certain window after they come out. So if it sells out, you can actually still buy it if you're within that short window. You get some limited edition swag, a bag, a comic. uh, We got a little mystery machine from Scooby-Doo. And then the big thing of why we got it was the Ultimate Lounge. Um, This was a huge thing for us of the benefit of why we wanted this pass. And the VIP pass is got the same benefits as the Ultimate Pass. Plus a bit more, 
They get priority entrance before the ultimate pass holders. They get a bring a friend Thursday, the VIP lounge, which is separate from the ultimate lounge, I want to point out. They have a bag and coat check, and they get an express pass for autograph and photo ops. And finally, they get priority access for the main theater and some of the panels. And that lounge was huge for us because it gave you a space to get away to have some chairs and tables to sit at, but just get away from the noise. Even in the side concourses, it was still loud with all the people there. And when you want to just get away and just decompress for a little bit, having that lounge, whereas this was a nice, quiet space for all of us. Right. And when we say lounge, it's basically one of the conference-type rooms on a higher floor. One of the, I'd say, like mid-size rooms, probably like 50, 60 chairs or so and tables. But the fact that you have to go in through a door and it is blocked off from the rest, the dividers are up and everything like that, that does cut down on a lot of the noise. So it is drastically quieter in those lounges. And I imagine the VIP lounge is uh, likely similar. Let's talk about our enjoyment of the convention. I really love cons. All of them. Finding unique items, being around people who love the stuff that I love. What's nice about Megacon is I felt like it had a really positive atmosphere from attendees, even though there were some snafus and sort of the organizational bits in terms of like purely getting in and a couple things like that. Even with those roadblocks, I felt like everyone who was there for the most part was really positive. You know, people complimenting each other's cosplays and just like that general niceness that sometimes, unfortunately, isn't always part of a con, but this con was, I think, highly positive, and that added to my enjoyment of it. I love them as well. I enjoy all the parts. The vendors and artist alleys are always parts of my favorite parts of con. You get to find those things you can't find anywhere else, those unique creations from people, or just stuff that you're not going to see sold in a major store. Meeting and sometimes seeing guests, even from a distance, even if you're not meeting them, is really cool to me. Uh, seeing some of those celebrities you enjoy, getting to meet them, finding out some of them are just even nicer in person than you would even imagine. Looking at you, Zachary Levi. Frankly, there's always more to do than there is time for, so it's always a balance of what am I going to do, what's, what's the most important things. Right. And Megacon, like they said, they talked about being a pop culture convention, so they're not super... RPG, TTRPG based, but they did have several large tabletop vendors there. They had an RPG room, and there were even some panels and sessions on gaming hosted by Adventures on Tap, but unfortunately, we didn't have time to attend any this time around. So we'll start with uh, some of the dedicated areas. So there was the Megacon Tabletop Pavilion, and this was a dedicated area up on the South Concourse, where they had a variety of games that could be played. So there were some Adventure League going on there. I believe there were supposed to be some Pathfinder Society games there. The one day we stopped by, it looked like it was mostly 5e being played, and like a special, a particular world created by some people within the 5e that was being played there a lot there. We didn't take the time to play any. We didn't have a lot of extra time for that, because that is a time investment. But it was pretty cool to see there. And like, we got invited to a couple of tables just walking through to see it. People were like, hey, do you want to sit down and play? So it's, it was definitely very welcoming. And, you know, it wasn't like you had to sign up ahead of time or you wouldn't have a spot. Like people were like, hey, yeah, come down, sit, play with us. And there were even empty tables that you probably could have set up your own if you wanted to play. Next was the tabletop gaming experience. They offered a collection of games ready to demo and purchase. They were all games with fairly quick walkthroughs. The hosts were very friendly. 
we actually purchased two games. We purchased Disney's Sorcerer's Arena, which is a newer game, and Abandon All Artichokes. Another cool thing that they had at this tabletop gaming experience is they had these special tables, table toppers, excuse me, called game toppers, which are lightweight gaming tables that you can put on top of your own table or set up independently. But those were really cool because it gave you a nice, even playing surface. They had neoprene mats down, so it kept things from sticking, sliding, whatever. And it kind of made it a little easier to demo the games because you're not worrying about cards sliding off the table or whatever. It had a nice surface to it. They were really nice. And we looked them up after and like you could stick your cards on the edge to hold the cards up for you. They were like cup holders and accessories you could have for that. Those are really neat. And actually, they were really great. And the way they walked through the game was was cool because they walked through that Disney Sorcerer game and Sam and TJ are sitting there playing it while then we talked to them about the Artichoke game because I was while they were doing that, I'm looking at Abandoned Artichoke looking at them like, this looks kind of cool. And so he was explaining that to us and they were already starting playing the game. That's how easily and a quick walkthrough. And the game the high level wasn't everything you do, but they were able to start playing it right away and we were looking at the other game at the same time. And it was like, you're just going to go purchase these, aren't you? And you know me, I can't leave any con without buying at least one new game. So next we have a local business to us, The Crafty Gamer. I was super excited to get to see their, their booth there that they had. And they are the first candle and hobby shop hybrid. They sell scented candles, theme to RPG, TTRPG centric. But they also sell all sorts of board games and RPG and all sorts of stuff. And they have their own physical shop in Winter Park, Florida, but they were at the con. They go to a lot of the different conventions and have both of those there. They offer different candles and wax melts and oils in all their different scents. And they had a fun collection of, of board games there as well that you could purchase. And because I can't go anywhere and not buy a board game, we came home with Till the Last Gasp from Darrington Press, as well as a candle, a tumbler, and two room sprays. So they were, they were amazingly friendly and kind, chatting to us while they were busy checking people out. They're also on social media as Crafty Gamer Shop on all platforms. And if you're not following their TikTok and Instagram, you are missing out. They are very funny, geeky, tabletop, and candle content. And their, their TikTok game is on point. It is definitely one of my favorite things on TikTok right now is to go and see what their new videos are because they just crack me up. Next, we're going to talk about Rad Dice and Gaming. Rad Dice and Gaming likes to say that they have the finest hoard of gaming accessories. The company started with creating a dragon egg dice holder for friends to complete a project that Jonathan, the owner's late wife, had started, which led to him starting his own company. 10% of all his profits go to charities such as The Good Left Undone. He 3D prints some phenomenal and stunning RPG items. In addition to the dragon egg dice holder, which holds a full set of dice, he also has the holy hand grenade that holds over 100 dice, and that is on my wish list for the future. What we did pick up this go-round was a dice dragon, which is a gorgeous, long movable dragon and its body consists of several different dice so at the head it starts off with a d20 and it progresses through 
D12s, D10s, D8s, and so on until the tail is made up of uh, that rune-like D4. And the craftsmanship that is is put forth in his items is phenomenal. They're just beautiful 3D art. He does a great job. You can buy them printed unpainted, but he also has ones of his that he takes the time to paint and does an amazing job on them as well. We'll definitely share a picture of that dragon. Next, we found a new company, Nomnivore Games, and they were providing demos of their new card games. They had some really fun ones, the first of which was called Snack Attack. It's a game of stealing snacks from your siblings. It's very fast-paced. It's very easy to play. Very simple rules. You can play through the hands pretty quickly and go through those. The other one they have is Dungeons & Dinos, which is fun because it reuses those same characters from Snack Attack. And this is a dungeon crawler card game. It's half collaborative, half competitive. Quest to take down the big bad. The story is the Namasaurs, who are featured in Snack Attack, find their dad's TTRPG manual. And so they play out and play pretend their own way of their own adventure. So you face these monsters, but the monster might be their dog dressed up a little bit. Or the squirrel in the attic. Or the monster that you're taking on. And of course, we walked away with both of these games. Because I can't not buy the game. But I will say that we actually, that afternoon after we bought Snack Attack, we were in the lounge relaxing and taking a break from the noise and the chaos. And TJ and I pulled out Snack Attack and played it sitting in the lounge just to pass the time while we were all unwinding for a little bit. And that's how quick and easy it is to learn. I also want to point out that one of their big beliefs is making games accessible for everyone. So the cards for both of their games use a dyslexic-friendly font so that they are more accessible. And I know that Snack Attack also is able to be adapted for Braille. So there are dots in the bottom of the card, and if you poke through the dots that are indicated, it actually turns the cards into Braille so they will be accessible to people with low vision or blindness. The next random encounter we found in Artist Alley was Topo Dog. This was a company we had previously met at QuestCon and had purchased some of their games there, and they had them here as well. Because I can't not buy a game. They're providing demos of their various games. They have Anarcade 8-Bit Rummy, Anarcade Deck Building Game, and Recomec, which is also a deck building game. I think the standout for me is the 8-Bit Rummy. This is one that TJ immediately walked up and just started playing because he remembered it because we own it at home. You have a set of cards, each have three numbers, one on top, one on middle, one on bottom, and essentially you need to arrange them so you get the same numbers in the row and you match up and get sets of numbers there, as you do in Rummy, but it has an extra level of being multiple rows and kind of arranging them there. There's rules on how you deal it and when you turn over cards, but it's a fun little game, very easy to learn and easy to play, but, you know, has that challenge of them, the multiple rows. Right, when we met them at QuestCon last year, the game that actually drew TJ in was their Recomec game where you're basically building a robot and then you kind of have a little robot battle. And based on how that goes, your robot loses parts. You have to draw to create new parts. And thus, that's the deck building section. But it's another quick to learn and easy to implement game. The gameplay is a bit longer than 8-Bit Rummy, but it's still a lot of fun. And that for quite a while was one of our sort of regular after school rotation games. Next, we ran across a new company called Geek Therapeutics. They make dice trays, a leather dice vault, 
dice mats, foldable magnetic dice towers. They also had a geek therapy card deck for both therapists or patients to use, um, and it covers all sorts of things. They're mindfulness exercises, but they cover everything from video games to RPGs to board games, and they have a great variety of mindfulness exercises that have been adapted to, to geek themes. They also had some interesting books. The one that I picked up is called Checkpoints and Autosaves, Parenting Geeks to Thrive in the Age of Geekdom. And they had several other titles that were a bit more marketed towards therapists, but they have a lot of phenomenal products that are an interesting way of engaging with mindfulness and therapy practices through that geek lens. And honestly, like the the owner was phenomenally kind and very interesting to talk to. Uh, I think we talked to them for 20, 30 minutes uh, about their products. They were just so passionate about bringing the geek and the therapy bits together. In Artist Alley, we ran across Arcane Fae Creations, who we have also met at QuestCon, and I bought a gorgeous purple wooden dice tower from them. And since we saw them last, they have new resin dice trays, which were just stunning. I'm shocked I didn't walk away with one. It's probably just because I was carrying so many other things at that point. But please check them out because they hand make all of their stuff. They hand make their dice, their dice towers. They have wooden spell slot trackers, as well as, like I said, those resin dice trays. And everything is just gorgeous artistry. Again, it's very well made. It's very carefully made. You can tell the care that went into their craftsmanship. And while I walked away with one of the foldable magnetic dice towers from Geek Therapeutics, the one you have from Arcane Phase, just absolutely beautiful. And when we have purple, it's it's a purple stain. Like you can still see the wood grain. It's beautiful. And you get that great click clack sound when you put dice down a wooden dice tower. I should note that the magnetic tray that I got from Geek Therapeutics is also purple because it's purple. And so as we were walking around, obviously there were a lot of vendors and a lot of other artists that also had plenty of dice. You had resin dice. You had stone dice. I think I even saw somebody who had bone dice at one point. You had metal. You had solid metal. You had hollow ones. Amazing. All sorts of great choices. Some of them were very, very unique. Lots of tray options. Lots of other leather goods and dice pouches. So there was a lot to offer TTRPG fans because we all need lots of dice and things to put them in. We love a good math rock. As far as guests, honestly, they didn't have much in the way of tabletop-related guests, with the exception of Matthew Lillard. He was there as part of the Screamcast team-up that they were hosting, but he is also one of the five founders of Beetle and Grimm's, and Beetle and Grimm's is a maker of premium RPG products with special physical products and sets, and I would like to call out specifically their gorgeous, gorgeous tomes of Pathfinder lore. They make a lot of products for 5e where they have everything you need to go with, you know, one of their adventures, but all the physical handouts and coins and letters and things that you'll find all beautifully crafted, great maps to go with it. 
And on the Pathfinder side, yeah, they created these character journals that are just amazing for leveling your character 1 through 20, work great with Paizo, and they have high on my list of things is their uh, Absalon, where they did a book of the, the Book of Absalon, but all the physical stuff to go with it, their own high-res map, Absalon coins, and all these other stuff that you can use in your game. Now, it's not the same of a pairing with an adventure path, but just in general, it's just amazing the quality stuff they put out there. So when Matthew Lillard was there, it was saying Scream on their Instagram post. I'm like, look, it's Matthew Lillard from Beetle and Grimm, because that's where I associate him with both. Yes, he also played Shaggy. Yes, he was in Scream, but I love him for his contributions to Tabletop. And now the last thing we're going to talk about is not actually Tabletop related, but we will call it out because it has a very special connection to this podcast. We're going to talk about Star Shanties. What is Star Shanties, John? Star Shanties is about the 100% totally legitimate cargo ship. It is stranded on a backwater system in the Outer Rim. Its smuggler crew has no other recourse but to perform some of their favorite shanties in order to raise credits for repairs, featuring songs such as Old Man Thrawn, Running Down from Kessel, and Hondo Anaka. It's a shanty showcase of galactic proportions. Star Shanties is written and directed by a familiar name, Arthur Rowan. You may recognize him from the end of every episode of our podcast, because he wrote our theme song. Star Shanties is a fantastically fun time with songs that truly get stuck in your head through the longest of journeys in hyperspace. While, like we said, it's not directly related to tabletop, there are Star Wars RPGs, and it does have that connection because Arthur wrote our theme song. At StarShanties.com, you can find upcoming performances, links to YouTube to hear the shanties, or purchase some swag to help support the creation of their first album, which they will be working on soon. These are Star Wars-based sea shanties, which are just absolutely amazing. We'll get stuck in your head. Right now, I'm doing everything in my willpower to not sing Hondo Anaka. So, some special notes. For next year, the dates are actually moving backwards into February, and passes are already on sale, minus VIP passes. And it will be February 1st to 4th, in 2024, if you want to come on down to Orlando. So we did also in special notes, take a stroll down Tattoo Alley. This is also tabletop adjacent and got ourselves some D20 tattoos. Shout out to Dylan Eaves of Charnel House Tattoo in LA, who attended the con with a collective of tattoo artists with Ink Fusion Empire. Let's talk final impressions. For me, It wasn't super game heavy, but it was a good time. We did meet some tabletop creators and caught up with some creators. We met at QuestCon Orlando last year, so that was really nice. There is a lot of anime at this particular con. So if anime is your thing, MegaCon Orlando will be your jam. There were tons of anime cosplays, creators, voiceover artists. Artists Alley was, I feel like, half anime creators which for people who love anime this is the place for you i had a great time at the convention as a general all things geeky there were top-notch guests lots of vendors and artists amazing cosplays which i always love but i would love to see more tabletop vendors and creators in the future which i did say in my feedback survey i mean it's us we always want to see more tabletop creators and vendors I'm your host, John Wiki, and you can find me on Twitter as John underscore Wiki. That's W-I-C-K-E-E. And I'm Stevie. You can find me at Stevie's underscore games.
20 Minute Tabletop is a Morecore Studios production. Theme song by Arthur Rowan, Morecore art by Cedar Duncan. Do you want more tabletop gaming fun? Subscribe to 20 Minute Tabletop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more on our website, 20minutetabletop.com. That's the numbers 20min-tabletop.com. Or connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at 20minutetabletop. That's at 20min-tabletop. Thank you and roll with fortune. Misa is the boss of you. All of that's a lie.